the social life. It's the Darren Show. The Darren Show. Don't ask if he's single. You already know. Cause it's the Darren Show. A simple name for a simple guy with a simple face. It's the Darren Show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Darren Show. I am very excited about this uh, this episode. Uh, for for all the Big Brother fans, you all the old school Big Brother fans, you definitely know who this guy is that I'm going to be talking to this week. Uh, I was very excited to get him so that we could talk to him. Uh, it's all the way from Big Brother Two. It's Hardy. How you doing, Hardy? Taryn, so good to talk to you. So good to uh, to hear your voice, and thank you so much for your thoughtful consideration and, and having me as your guest this week. Yes, thank you. Uh, you know, we, uh, Rob Sesternino and I recorded a like 20 hour audio book uh, going back and rewatching season two uh, last year. Uh, was, that, was that accompanied by a commentary? Yes, yeah. We, we basically uh, we, we walked through every episode. <laughs> <laughs> I can only imagine the commentary. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, you know, a lot, lot, having a lot of fun with it. Um, it was quite a while ago. <laughs> yeah, well, there was a lot of fun to be had with that, I imagine. Yes, uh, but I'm very excited to uh, to have you on. I'm sure there are a lot of people that would be very interested in, in hearing from you. Uh, what What is life, how, how has life been since Big Brother? Uh, life has been interesting. Um, I, I, I was in Miami when I was casting the show, uh, and a few times they had me in Miami Beach, and then they referred to me from New York, Pennsylvania, which is my hometown. Um, so I lived in Miami Beach for 18 years. Uh, I just recently moved to uh, to Chicago, but when I was in Miami, um, I, uh, I had become the uh, general manager of um, Sky Bar at the Shore Club Hotel, um, opened that and ran that for three years and just really dubbed into to my profession in hospitality uh, and really kind of excelled at that. And then I rejoined the opening group as their ambassador at large uh, and I oversaw the operations uh, for, for VIP and guest accommodations for eight nightclubs uh, in Miami, New York, and uh, Las Vegas. So that was quite a, that was quite a whirlwind period. And then I, I kind of slowed down a little bit. Um, I began working for a company called The Fine Hotel. Um, I was the director of their VIP lounge um, called The Living Room, and uh, which is actually where my beautiful wife, Liz. Uh, and Liz and I now have a beautiful nine-month-old little girl named Sage. We moved to Chicago, and uh, I'm still working in the hospitality industry at the moment. Awesome. What, has that, was that always your, your plan growing up to get into the hospitality industry? Or is that something that kind of sprung on you? Well, no, it's, you know, it's interesting. I've always had this kind of innate sense uh, of accommodating people and making them feel welcome and, you know, and, and making sure that those around me, wherever I'm at, you know, that they're in a good place and they're having fun and they're enjoying themselves, especially in the social atmosphere. And it's just something like kind of like, uh, I, 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 I guess, you know, people saw it in me. Um, and it's just always came natural to me. Um, but you know, when, when I started conversing with, uh, with, uh, with different people in the, in the, in the industry and the profession, like Ian Schrager, uh, from Morris Hotel Group, uh, and, you know, one of the innovators of Studio 54, um, and as well as, you know, a, a ton of other people, um, uh, I, I just kind of, you know, kind of came out of me that, that, you know, this was, this is kind of like what I'm really, really good at because it comes so naturally. And I think that, you know, anyone that, that's, that's good at something that comes naturally to them and they can make a living at it, um, you know, they should definitely pursue it because if you're doing something you love, you know, is the, 
how cliche goes. If you think something's love, it doesn't feel like work. Um, so that that uh, you know came to me through you know, consultations with other people, and it just kind of made sense for me. It was very natural. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, where 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 did you grow up? Uh, I grew up in York, Pennsylvania. Uh, actually, when, when I was much, much younger, I was born in York, uh, and then my uh, my family moved around the Washington, D.C. area, um, uh, like Burke, Virginia, Alexandria, Virginia, um, Falls Church, Virginia, and Bethesda, Maryland, uh, and then moved back to Pennsylvania, and that's where, for the most part, I grew up. Uh, my mother, unfortunately, passed away when I was uh, 11 years old, and uh um, I then was raised by my grandparents. Thankfully, um, my father was always involved uh, with our lives uh, as we were growing up. But my grandparents uh, basically were the ones that you know we, we lived with them, and, and you know they were our primary caretakers. And you know the 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 fact that if you if you can learn from your elders and learn from your grandparents and the respect that you know that they that that their uh, that their generation had for things they've gone through so much. You know they've seen so much in our country's history uh, and they kind of embed those qualities and those sensibilities in you, those, those, those uh, morals uh, and innate sensibilities. Um, I, I think it's, uh, you know, it was, it was a great thing for me. I, I kind of felt like I was raised old school. <laughs> yeah. As far as, like, you know, very respectful, you know, very considerate uh, and thoughtful as possible. Yeah. I mean, what, what is it like to, to lose a parent so young? Um, it's, uh, it's, it's extremely heart-wrenching, you know, it, it does, it does in many ways have, uh, have far-reaching consequences, you know, uh, it, it affects your ability to, uh, to have, uh, or to develop, uh, an, uh, a compelling and, and long-term interest in something, because as soon as you might feel that, you know, someone's playing back with a, you know, a romantic interest specifically, what have you, um, you tend to kind of want to shut that down because you don't have to experience the pain of what that loss might be for you again. It's almost like tearing open that wound, like pulling mm-hmm. off a scab and pouring like salt on it, <laughs> you know? So, you know, in those ways, uh, it's, it's very difficult, but the good thing is, is that, you know, once you kind of recognize, you know, the effects that those they know that that might have, uh, you know, obviously through counseling, what have you, you address that issue. Uh, you can come, you know, you can come away from it with, you know, a broader understanding of yourself and, and relationships in general. Yeah, definitely. Uh, do do you feel like having? I mean, you talked about how your grandparents had you know this greater wisdom that they were able to to bring you. Do you feel like that gave you an advantage growing up? Um, I I think it helped me uh, stand apart in 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 a way out of you know just being more thoughtful, more considerate, and, and more respectful. You know the the whole the whole bullying thing uh, that you know that, that seems so predominant in today's society and, you know, and especially in, in youth and, in, you know, in kids that are in school, you know, that, that was something that, you know, that I was raised to kind of rally against. I was always, you know, for the, not necessarily for the underdog, but for what was right, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. and picking on kids and bullying kids, you know, that's something that, you know, I got in fistfights. <laughs> I got suspended in middle school for, for um, getting into a, an encounter for some kids that were, you know, bullying a girl with cerebral palsy. Um, 
So, I, you know, for me to see what's happening today, I, I wish that there was more um, parents and, and grandparents that had more influence uh, of respect and of consideration and thoughtfulness uh, for their peers uh, that I was able to, to garner from, from my upbringing. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, you you are a very fit guy. Were you were you like uh, one of like a like a bigger kind of fit uh, kid in high school or, or growing up as well? No, no. Actually, uh, my brother was was always like my kind of my kind of my idol. He was uh, he was twenty two months older than I was. Uh, and still, he still is. <laughs> that hasn't changed. <laughs> yeah. Um, but when we were growing up, he was, you know, a champion diver. He was a really, uh, you know, uh, a great swimmer. And we were both great swimmers. Um, we were younger, but he was the, the competitor. And, uh, you know, he was a diver. And, you know, it was, you know, it's kind of like when you're growing up at that age, you know, you look to your brother to be, you know, what you want to aspire to or kind of, you know, you kind of like always look up to your brother if you have an older brother uh, in some capacity, whether you have one or two or what have you. Um, but uh, for me, I, I was always kind of like skinny and I always had this like chicken breast bone in my chest that I was always embarrassed, embarrassed of when I was like 12, 13, 14. And uh, it was uh, it was a great concern. So I spoke to my father and he said, you just need to start like, you know, working out and using weight. So, you know, I'd always played soccer and I would swim when I was younger and I, uh, I was a, uh, a really good baseball player as well. I took up tennis in high school, and uh, so I just started, you know, working out. And you know, my regimen, you know, was in high school. I, I was, you know, soccer, swimming, and tennis. And so, just through that activity and through that 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 competitive uh, environment, you know, you just start developing. Uh, and I guess you know, you know, your body changes as you grow older. So I kind of came into it, but I always did really have uh, an affiliation for, you know, for physical activity and for working out. I just like the way it felt, you know, when I was done, like, you know, now, nowadays, like, you know, when I work out, it's, you know, I still have that same sense of accomplishment of, you know, my days, like, right. I, you know, I started my day properly. Like, you know, I'm dialed in, I'm ready to rock the day. You know, one of those things. Yeah. Uh, do you, so you still like, what kind of, what kind of workouts do you still do? I'm pretty much almost the same workout that I've always done. Uh, you know, yeah. I like to start my day with jumping rope. Um, I do uh, interval training, so I'll do like you know 15 minutes jumping rope forwards, and then some plyometrics, push-ups, um, you know, some some one-legged uh, dips. Uh, I'm sorry, one-legged you know, leg dips, and uh, you know, just mix it up with plyometrics and, and abdominal workout, and then you know reverse it again uh, for for 10 minutes reverse uh, jump rope. Do another uh, cycle of the uh, of the same plyometrics, and then forward for another thirty minutes. And just to, you know, it really gets the the, the blood pumping. It, you know, it's not, it's not like the same weight training that I, that I used to, to do. I just don't have the the time uh, to do that. Uh, but but just to kind of make sure everything's like you know smooth running and <laughs> yeah. and feeling good and lubricated. Like you know, I try not to creak when I walk. You know, I try to make sure that. You know, I, I I get the blood flowing and uh, and have a really good sense of accomplishment when I'm done. Cool. Uh, so, you know, what what was the plan growing up? Like, uh, you were in high school. Like, did did you uh, did you have an idea of where you were going to go with your life at that point? Um, no. And I think that was the the greatest excitement about it. Um, you know, I. I I'd wanted to be in sales and in business. My father was in, in business, um, so I, you know, I, I kind of wanted to, to definitely, 
you know, generate a, a high volume of revenue uh, and, and, you know, and, and just, you know, have, have, you know, you should your, you should your grandparents or parents have, uh, you know, when you're up and you, you, you know, you want to have that, but you know, I wanted much more than that. <laughs> so, uh, but I, so I got into sales, I got into marketing, that's what I studied in college. And, uh, so that was kind of where my head, my, where my head was at, uh, where I thought I was going to hang my hat, uh, when I was, you know, when I was much younger. Yeah. Well, so, uh, when did, when did big brother come along? Like, uh, you were pretty young still, right? Yeah, I will. I don't know about young, but um, at the time I was, uh, I just moved. I'd moved from Pennsylvania to Miami um, to open an advertising agency uh, for a company that I'd worked for in Pennsylvania called Do It Outdoors, which is an out-of-home media company. And they basically contracted me to, to do four months in three different cities to open an office, hire a sales manager, hire a sales team, train everyone, introduce them to the uh, the different um, client base in that market and then move to the next market. So my markets were going to be Chicago, Boston, and Miami. And, you know, I had the ability to choose where I was going to start first. So I happened to choose Miami and uh, lo and behold, and everything kind of ran from there. Uh, that was, that was kind of like the main impetus for me to move uh, to Miami from Pennsylvania. And, you know, in, in living in, in, in Miami, not knowing anyone, um, you know, I just happened to, at lunch, run into uh, uh, well, my waiter actually um, invited me to, to, to stop by his, his gym that he was a member of. He was listening because, you know, you're new to town. Like, yeah, you know, I'm just, you know, I explained into my story. You know, I'm just here to, you know, open an office and I'm looking for office space right now and blah, blah, blah. So uh, we exchanged information and uh, he actually became, you know, one of my great friends, a uh, great friend, Stephen Traeger. So he got me into the uh, software to boxing gym um, and I started studying Thai kickboxing. And that led me to uh, meeting a gentleman named Jack Fontaine, who was, kind of my, my mentor in, uh, in Thai kickboxing and uh, my trainer. And he happened to be the head of security for a company called The Open Group. And after a certain uh, amount of time, you know, attaining a, a level of, of acumen with regards to, to Thai kickboxing, he listen, you know, I, I basically run security for this company. If you're interested in, you know, doing some nights with this, I'd love to have you. You know, I'm comfortable with having you as a representative of me. So, uh, I think that that's uh, a little bit of a sign of respect and was like, sure, I don't know anyone in Miami. Um, otherwise I'd be spending my time, you know, indoors, uh, you know, on Fridays and Saturday nights cause I didn't know anybody. And, uh, so I, I did that and I got to meet a lot of great people. And through that, I, I got into the open group and that's kind of started my, my, my nightlife hospitality, hotel, restaurant, nightclub opening spree. <laughs> There you go. That makes sense. Uh, so, uh, so like, what what exactly were you doing in that in that job? Like, what kind of tasks did you have for what for security? Yeah, like or, like uh, I've, I've always been curious. Like, when you work security, like, what do you do? You just like stand there looking looking intimidating. <laughs> so that was so that was the differentiation. Um, so that was what everyone else did. Okay, so when I was in college, in, I, I'd spend my summers as a surf rescue technician or a, a surf rescue lifeguard in Ocean City, Maryland, and I'd done that for like three or four years. And when you're a surf rescue lifeguard, if you're if you're good, uh, you always scan. Your head just not stopping. You're left to right, scanning the water, scanning right behind you, and to left to right. You're always you're always looking. You're always watching. And I kind of use the same approach to 
so, you know, I would be at my post and I would just scan the environment, I'd scan the room. And if I would see something that would pop up or I, you know, notice someone's, you know, facial expression didn't seem, you know, normal for the environment or they were like, you know, you can tell if something's going down, you can tell, you can read somebody's face if they're getting upset um, or if you're intuitive and you can kind of feel something's not right. That's what I was kind of dialed into. And so what I would do is I would go and approach the situation, but I would be able to de-escalate the situation and kind of control the situation and reduce it. Uh, whereas everyone else would just kind of only address it when it was a problem and there were fists flying. I was able mm. to go to the issue and speak to individuals, resolve the problem. The guests would stay in play. The money would continue to flow to the company and everyone would be happy as opposed to, you know, risking a lawsuit, throwing people out, losing potential revenue, opportunity costs, uh, the whole thing. And I think that's what they kind of saw me as, you know, being really, really good at is, you know, seeing potential issues, de-escalating the problem and making sure that, you know, we're preserving our revenue opportunity. Makes sense. Uh, did you ever have any like crazy incidents uh, where, where something yeah. did happen? Yeah, unfortunately I did. Um, <clears throat> and I hadn't even working with Jack at the time. Um, he was, uh, he was, he was running head uh, security. I was in the restaurant called, uh, it was at that point it was opium. Um, and it was like a sushi bar that would turn into like, kind of like a nightclub lounge. And there was this gentleman that was just like, it was with a girl, a uh, very, very beautiful woman, actually. Um, the gentleman was obviously of Hispanic descent, which is absolutely normal for, for South Florida. Um, so nothing seemed out of the ordinary, uh, except that he seemed to become aggravated for some reason. And he actually started, he had roses on his table. He started throwing roses like at, like other tables, like erratically. And so I approached him and, you know, I was trying to calm the situation down. Uh, and he grabbed me. I, he grabbed me by my, by my, not by my throat, but by my, like my, like by my, I guess the, the, the front of my collar of my shirt and he grabbed me, <laughs> big mistake. He grabbed me and my initial instinct was to put my hand, I literally had his thumb sticking out. I grabbed his thumb and just started pulling it backwards towards him until it snapped because he wouldn't let go of me. And as soon as it snapped, his eyes popped open and like his eyes like popped. And by that point, um, whoever he was with, I didn't I know who he was, but he had people with him <laughs> and our security came upstairs as well. And uh, when his eyes popped open, he was on something, uh, cause uh, there's no way that the pressure of me pulling back on your thumb to the point where it's about to break, that would, that would normally stop anyone. Um, just the pain of that. But when it actually popped and, and popped out of its socket, his eyes like really popped open and that's when you know things started things got exciting um but but we we handled the situation it it, it wasn't a good situation for the gentleman um but uh there was actually there was actually an article or, or a news event uh, that happened with regards that i can't remember exactly what the, the details were uh, that were reported but um the gentleman made a big mistake and, and was very aggressive and uh yeah you just don't you just don't grab people by the the scruff of their collar and in the front and think that that's going to be okay and and you know yeah. not 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 stop you know <laughs> when you're directed to them, like if you're in a restaurant for god's sake so how long had you been working security uh before because you, were you working security when you when you uh went on big brother yeah, so I was I was still doing I was so I was still doing the uh, um, the hiring and developing of the ad agency uh, during the day at night. 
uh, on the, only on the weekends I was doing security. And also I was doing some modeling there as well. And my agent had contacted me um, and had mentioned, you know, your question was, how did I get to, to come to, to Big Brother? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so so I'd done some modeling, and my agent had called me and had mentioned uh, that there was an audition for Big Brother. Now, the first season of Big Brother I saw, and I thought I was like watching paint dry. I thought it was very boring. <laughs> yeah. It was like, it was, you know, the, the layout of the presentation was kind of weird. It was 30 minutes for six days a week. Um, not a lot of time to develop in, any storylines or what have you or edit things, so... My initial reaction was, I'm not really interested. I've watched that show. It's not, it's not like it's something I'd be interested in, in looking into. Um, but my agent had apparently done her homework, and she said, "No, it's a, it's a different production company. Uh, it's our house Productions, and they're changing the whole layout of everything. They're changing the dynamic of everything. They're changing the structure. They're changing the presentation." I was like, "Well, all right, well, whatever." So I just, it was just, it just basically got me to go uh, to the audition. I did the audition. Um, it was basically just doing like, you know, introducing yourself and, um, you know, asking some questions or answering some questions that were asked off camera. And then they guess they submitted it and I got a phone call. Um, I had, I guess the casting director come to Miami beach, uh, and I met with them, um, and interviewed with them. And then I got invited to go to Los Angeles. So I went to Los Angeles for like four or five days, um, stayed at one of the hotels. There. You can tell there's a bunch of other uh, possible candidates. We weren't allowed to talk to anybody. Um, uh, I mean, basically anybody, unless they were associated with production. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we wouldn't be in cahoots uh, with anyone or get to really exchange information or meet anybody. So that happened. And then at the end of that, uh, there was like an interview process. They did a personality test. They did blood test, they did a full physical, and then I guess they kind of narrowed it down, and then a certain amount of us were introduced to, uh, we went to a meeting with Les Mundes, who is the president of, uh, of CBS, mm-hmm. um, and that was kind of like the final meeting, and then we went back to the hotel, and then I was in my room, and the casting director knocked on my door and came in and said, listen, you know, we're considering you seriously, if you're given this opportunity, would you be able to within three or four hours, you to jump in a plane once you're notified or, you know, once you're aware. And I was like, I guess so. <laughs> like, you know, think about it, like when we're getting the opportunity, I, you know, sure. Why not? Um, so I flew out the next day, I flew back to Miami. Uh, and then I got a phone call that they were going to send a camera crew uh, to interview with me or to you know, showcase what I was doing for the morning. And I just happened to be scheduled to do a workout uh, at South Florida Boxing with my trainer. So they had the film crew come in and I was doing my workout and they were filming me and my, everyone kind of thought it was weird and I thought it was weird, but they kind of positioned it as, oh, you're one of the finalists. It was kind of like showing, you know, but, you know, what made, you know, if you are picked, you know, this is what we'll show. I was like, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so, lo and behold, I guess the, uh, the producer of the segment, um, you know, told me to go into my gym bag. I went in my gym bag and there was a key there. And I go, I go, <laughs> I turn around and go, are you fucking shitting me? Are you fucking <laughs> shitting me right now? And I was laughing. I was like, so like in disbelief. And that wasn't necessarily the verbal reaction they were looking for. <laughs> yeah. So they're like, can you just go back and not swear? <laughs> I was like, well, sure. Uh, yeah, I'll do that for you. They they go through all the trouble of uh, making sure it's a surprise, but then they can't use the footage of the genuine <laughs> surprise. That's television for you. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, 
So, uh, so like, what was what was going through your mind this whole time? Like, were you excited to to go on TV? Like, what was the goal? Well, I, I, there really was no goal. I mean, the, the, you know, after coming back from the, the four, the three or four day trip to LA, it was, you know, there was a lot of people there. Um, I'm not sure how many people, but there was definitely more than, than 12. There was probably, it felt like there was like maybe 60 or 70, if not more. Mm-hmm. You had to take a personality test and all the, all this stuff. It was almost like you were applying for, you know, like a, like a college or something. <laughs> yeah. uh, it was very, very weird. Um, so, so yeah, it was, um, it was, it was a little, uh, it was a little crazy to, uh, to kind of to comprehend it, There wasn't really no intent for me to kind of be on TV. That, that was the, the, I guess to me, it's like the, that was the best part about it. Like it just was like, it just kind of like all flowed seamlessly and almost effortlessly. I didn't really try too hard. I didn't really, you know, I didn't go up. I didn't really overly apply myself or feel like I was like, you know, trying to, to, to get at something that was unachievable. I, it just kind of happened. You know, I, I didn't want to do the, I didn't want to do the application. My agent came to do the application. I did that. And then everything else kind of like fell into place. It was, uh, there was really no kind of like a, an overt want or need for me to participate in this. It really kind of fell into my lap. And from there, everything just kind of worked, you know, I, I really don't know any other way to, uh, to say it. There was never no, like, like mental specific intent. I need to, I want to be in this show. It's like, oh, if it happens, it happens. If not, well, great, whatever. I'm, I'm doing this on Tuesday. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, just, life was just going to continue. Um, but yeah, it's funny um, because I remember that the, the production, the, the producer for the segment, actually, when they gave me the key, they're like, you have like three hours to be on this plane. Like, you need to handle your business. <laughs> so um, I literally had to write checks uh, for every month for all my, all my utilities and, and for everything. And for, you know, for the next three or four months and drop them off at a friend's place. After I packed my bag, we were on our way to the airport. I just haphazardly just threw like shorts and whatever summer clothes I could find, which is why you don't see me having a, a whole variety of, uh, you know, of attire when I was on the show. Um, and we got on the plane and on the way to the, on the way to the, uh, to the airport, the, the, the producer was like, are you ready for this? And I'm like, I had no idea what, what you're talking about. He's like, no, man. He's like, you don't have any idea, do you? I'm like, I not really. I'm like, this is really kind of new. Like it just happened two hours ago. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, this is going to change your life. And I'm like, I, I, I just didn't feel that or understand or, or see it. Um, but he was, in, he was in a few ways and more than a few ways. He was right. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you, you get to LA, like, uh, was there ever a, a point where you felt, where it felt like it hit you? Like, okay, I'm doing this. I'm going to be locked in, in this place for, uh, you know, however many days. And, uh, you know, it's like, it, did, was there ever a moment where that just all kind of hit you? Um, I, I, I guess it was right before we came out because when I got back to LA, um, I went to a hotel room and I think the, the show started like a day or two after that. And so I was in a hotel and I, I wasn't allowed to call anybody, but my chaperone at the time had left the hotel room to go do something. They left his phone there. And so I grabbed his phone and uh, I let my dad know and my brother know that I was going to be in the show and kind of give them an update as to what was happening. Um, but yeah, like other than that, it was, it was 
the, the, I guess the reality hit me. We were in, we were in these trailers. You know, we'd come on, we were, you know, hustled on set. We had a, like relatively like two bags with us. We were brought on set, and they're putting these little, like, super, super small trailers, like literally. Uh, and I'm, it was almost like like a cattle stall, <laughs> but it was supposed to be like a trailer, you know, what have you. It was one of those like kind of like four different sections with you know, very very small rooms, and the security guy came to my door and asking for my bags and they had to go check through everyone's bags to make sure no one had any illicit, you know, contraband or drugs or what have you. And that everything was approved that, that you were bringing into the house. Um, and I think that was when it hit me, like when we were then brought out and we all kind of like came to the front of the house and we all kind of like looked at each other for the first time. That's when it really like hit me. There was a cam- there was cameras there, and it was just like, okay, it's like a, almost like a deer in the headlights feeling. But you you realize like you kind of have to go through the, you know, just kind of go with your instincts and go through the motions because you don't want to like like look foolish or what have you. So just like, holy shit, this is really happening. Let's just keep going with the flow. Let's see how this pans out. <laughs> So uh, when did you like? When did you learn about the new rules and how the game was going to work and stuff? Um, actually, um, when I kind of offered a retort to my to my modeling agent, um, you know, I'm like, I you know, I saw this show and because she was referencing you know Big Brother, and my thought pattern was you know, I referenced the first season which I saw and it wasn't that interesting and I said that to her and she said well you know they're changing everything there's a new production company working with Endemol it's called Our House Productions and Arnold Shapiro and so I was like okay because I knew Arnold Shapiro was scared straight and what have you mm-hmm. um, so it, I was like well yeah, all right what you know what's there to lose it's not like i was it's not like at that moment i was committing to being on the show is that that moment i'm committing to five minutes on a videotape you know Mm -hmm. so it wasn't it wasn't uh it wasn't something i had to to think a whole lot about just like you know it just didn't uh my my first my first point of reference wasn't wasn't something that i'd be interested in but the fact that you know they they argued back and took the time to explain what was happening with the production is what made the difference because if they if they wouldn't have said anything back to me, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have done it. Yeah. I would have done an interview. <laughs> did, did you, did you like, was there a point that you started to formulate a strategy based on the, the, the new rules or anything? Or did, did it just seem, did you well, kind of approach it the same way that you might've approached the first season? Well, I, I, I didn't really watch the first season. Again, I, I watched maybe two or three episodes and, and that's it. And I was just like, it was boring to me. Um, so when I, I think the difference between the first and the second was that America voted people out, like the head of household nominated two people, and then America through like what I guess like phone tallies would call in mm-hmm. people. Um, I didn't really have to play to to that audience, you have to play to the audience that you're with. Now the downside of it is that you know you obviously have to nominate two people, one of which is going to be around to stick around. So my thought process was, if that's the situation, you know make the second person someone, uh, you know, pick one person that you really want to get out. The second person is, you'll kind of be able to, depending upon your influence on other people, you'll be able to kind of control what the vote might be um, towards them and towards your, your goal of getting somebody out. But you always want to kind of have that second person as someone that you could, you know, you could resolve things with, you could come back to and be like, Hey, it's just a game and, and hang out with and make amends with and kind of mend that, uh, mend that, that division. 
Yeah, and uh, we saw we saw Mike Pogi in the very first uh, HOH attempt a similar strategy and have it uh, you know blow back in his face. Yeah, that was um, that was that. <laughs> that certainly set the tone. Uh, yeah. I'll definitely say that that set the tone for the entire for the entire summer that that year for the entire season. That just uh, it was a them against us, and and for you know. And again, Mike and you know, Mike and I are friends, and 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 Will and I are friends, and uh, you know, we miss each other. We see each other very, very intimately. Whenever I'm in Los Angeles, you know, I always like try to look those guys up. But they're really great guys, and uh, you know, we, we've we've grown, we've grown, I think, fonder and with more respect of each other outside of the house. Because in, in the house, it's almost like Lord of the Flies, if you think about mm-hmm. it. And, and, you know, you have the people in the one area, and all of a sudden, you know that's called the hot box or the other people or whatever. Yeah. Then you've got the <laughs> other area where it's just cooler temperature wise. It's colder. And they call that area chill town. Yep. And those people kind of gravitate. It's, it's literally like it's sociology one-on-one, you know, people will obviously find common ground with those that they're in close proximity to. And mm-hmm. if there is a divisive area, like the living room, of the house during that season and you have the other side of the house those people are talking gravitating theories just by natural happenstance you know it's just human nature yeah and, and I think see that play out yeah I, I think there's also part of it too where you talked about you know uh growing up with your grandparents and how you were uh kind of raised a little more like old-fashioned where you know you uh a lot of the younger people were you know hanging out with with chill town uh but you were aligning more with uh some of the older people well i don't think it had to do anything specifically with reference to age mm-hmm. i think it just had more specific reference to people's personalities, you know, what I perceive them as like, you know, there were, there were some cool people in the show, you know, Shannon at one point, you know, during like, uh, I guess we did a fast or something that I will suggest. And and I think autumn, uh, I don't know, completed or something. And so Shannon threw a bag of chips on her bed and, you know, just like lame shit like that. And what she did with my, But she my toothbrush, for God's sake. It's like stuff like that, you know? It's like, <laughs> it kind of speaks for itself. Yeah, like wh- when that happens, when when you find out that, that uh, she's cleaned the toilet with your toothbrush, like, uh, is there a moment where you're just like, like what am I doing on this? Sh-? Like, wh- like yeah. what, 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 what have I done with myself? <laughs> well, uh, no, it, was, it wasn't like what I'd done with myself. It was more like what, what it was more like what's wrong with that person? <laughs> Yeah, you know, like it wasn't the environment because nobody else was doing that stuff. It's mm-hmm. like, what the hell is wrong with her? Like, what's wrong with her mind? And I mean, I guess at some point she fessed up to it, but you know, she denied and denied it, and, and that's, that's always been like that's always been like a thing that that whole toothbrush incident. Those <laughs> people. I was, I was, I was, I was obviously thoroughly upset, um, mm-hmm. you know, that, that, that someone would take it to that level where, you know, I could possibly be fucking like infected with serious diseases, um, and infections that that would be like a joke and acceptable at our age, you know, we're, we're not in fourth grade or third grade or whatever she referenced, uh, in the broadcast, but yeah, uh, that was obviously extremely disappointing <laughs> on a multitude yeah. of levels, on a multitude <laughs> of levels. Like on a human, just humanity's level. <laughs> like, yeah. Really, 
uh did, did you ever did you ever sort of uh like uh reconcile with with shannon like do, are, are you on good terms with her at all now or, yeah i haven't i haven't spoken to her in a while and you know i guess yeah we we resolved everything we we talked uh when uh when after 9 11 happened the uh they uh, there was no commercial air air uh air flights so they like cbs uh hired a private jet to pick us all up so we could um go to do the finale show um and on that flight uh they picked me up in miami and we flew to texas and dropped in and picked her up in texas uh on our way to la um you know we had a glass or two of wine on the plane and you know whatever bygones be bygones i'm not i'm not somebody that holds grudges you know it, i did it's not like I, it's not like i used the toothbrush you know like that'd be a different story i'd obviously be a lot more pissed but <laughs> it, the the intent and the actuality of the situation didn't come to fruition uh which is a good thing because obviously if it had <laughs> i probably wouldn't be at all forgiving um but it is what it is, you know, people do things under pressure and under circumstances that they don't normally live under. Um, so I kind of, I, I get that. And, 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 you know, we worked it out and there's no big deal whatever. It's like water under the bridge. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you, you talked about nine eleven. that happened. Uh, it must, it must have not been too long after you were evicted, right? Uh, it happened the Tuesday morning uh, after I, I, I was evicted on Thursday, and I flew back to Pennsylvania uh, with my family. Uh, and that happened that that Tuesday morning. I was actually staying at my friend uh, Matt Scarborough's house. Um, we had we had gone on just you know I was spending time with him and his family, and it's like you know just stay here the night. You don't have to like worry about driving or going anywhere. And I hadn't seen a lot of my good friends for a long time. Um, and so I got up in the morning and a friend of mine called me and said, turn the TV on, turn the TV on, and I turned the TV on. And the first tower had already been hit. Um, and then you know, I was watching the, the, everyone as many, many people were the, the live broadcast that was happening. And the second plane hit and my heart dropped. And at that point, everyone knew that something wasn't right. You know, and then as moments pass and seconds pass, you're just like you're just the impact of everything that's happening, what you're watching unfold, the loss of life happening in real time as you're watching this, the intent behind that loss of life, because it was no way, shape, or form an accident at this point. It was it was almost overwhelming uh, to to kind of process, and I think it was like that for a lot of people. Um, and as you know, moments passed, and the reality of the situation hit. Um, you know, <laughs> uh, and played out. I mean, that was before. I mean, that should have been got hit, and there was a couple hours, or uh, you know, hover on ninety minutes, or two hours before they were hit till they fell. I mean, it was just horrific. Um, you know, for the entire country, for everyone, for the world. Um, so, yeah, that that kind of took over every thought uh, from that point on. Yeah. I, uh, I know there was a lot of sort of like debate about, you know, um, first of all, like, uh, the, the, you know, Will and Nicole and Monica who were still in the house, um, had to be informed and it took a couple of days to, uh, for them to like, I guess, decide to do that. Um, yeah. and then there was debate about, you know, then like, should the show even continue? Um, because it it seems so trivial given everything that, that was happening around it. Yeah. No, it was, 
I mean, it must have been a difficult decision for for the the team to process. Me personally, um, you know, my 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 thought was always don't when that something like that happens. I understand we're in a closed environment, but Monica's cousin was in um, one of the trade towers, mm-hmm. um, and you know, for this for this level of something to happen, uh, is you know, this is the this is something that's historic, impactful, specifically to someone that's taking part in the show. Um, I, I think that, you know, given given hindsight, that the producers probably would have acted a lot sooner, um, and that they might have acted a little bit differently. Um, but again, that's the that's the blessing of hindsight. You know, you can always get to kind of rethink things. But I think in the moment they did what they thought was just fair and best. And again, in hindsight, I, I definitely imagine they would have wanted to react, would have wanted to reacted a lot more quickly um, to to end the show. Um, again, that's a tough call. There's there's <laughs> tens of millions of dollars in in production costs in, in these shows. Um, you know. You see a half million dollar prize to the award winner, but that's that's literally a drop in the bucket compared to what it costs to actually put the show on. Um, you know, to have uh, the sets and, and the house built and all the production in and out, what have you, and the monitoring. There's just you know just a lot involved. So to to have it go that far um, and not be produced, I, I I know it must have been a very difficult decision uh, for the producers to make. I think that. Um, you know, given given the timing uh, and, and how much left of the show there was, there wasn't a lot left. Um, it 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 really, I don't think, made a difference. Um, I'm just I'm just thinking. I don't I don't know if it would have made it that big of a difference if they would have canceled the show or just kept it going. But yeah. when if you cancel the show, how do you end it? Then do you like split it three ways? You know. It was it was a tough call for the for for CBS and and our house productions, you know, and nothing like that's ever happened. It probably was never conceived of, and you know, they made a they made a decision under circumstances they never imagined. Yeah. So, but that you know, those, those things can't be taken lightly, and there's a lot of things that impact the decision. So, I guess I can't fault them for taking the amount of time that they did. But I, I guarantee you, in hindsight, they probably would have probably preferred to have acted a lot quicker. Yeah, for sure. Uh, what what are your thoughts on uh, on sort of the season as a whole and and Will and and how he played the game now that you've had you know plenty of of time to think back on it like uh, like how how do you feel about it now? Well, I think it was a blast. Honestly, I think Will is definitely the best player uh, in Big Brother history uh, from what I've seen. I think a lot of a lot of characters and people attempt at interpretations of how he. Uh, approach the game. Um, he, he changed the dynamic of the, of the show. He changed the dynamic of how the, the game is played of uh, Big Brother, ultimately, in, in my mind, um, and irreversibly. So now it's more finessed. Um, you know, there's, you know, I, I, I haven't really been keeping up with this season, but uh, I can tell you from what I've seen of previous seasons and, um, you know, those that immediately followed our season is that almost everyone kind of is, it's almost like everyone fits a mold, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's what you play with those cards or that mold that's going to decide how far along you get and ultimately if you win. Um, and it's interesting because everyone you know, has, has their perceptions, um, but when you're actually in it, uh, you really kind of have to think quick on your feet, and it's definitely a long it's like it's almost like a long con <laughs> you know <laughs> you ever see like Dirty Rotten Scoundrels the movie Dirty Rotten Scoundrels like the long con like it takes like 
you know, weeks and weeks to play out. It's mm-hmm. almost like that. And that's what I think Will did. He's a, gen- he's a genius of the long con <laughs> in a good way, not in a bad way. I'm not, I'm not down. Yeah. I'm not down speaking him at all. Like I love what I think he's awesome. He's a great dad. He's a great individual and a fun guy. And, uh, I'm, I'm just saying like, uh, you know, just the, the term, like the long play, like the long chess game, like thinking like many, many measures ahead of everyone else. And, and each measure, three ahead for each individual person, how this would affect them. Like you did this, how would this affect this person, that person, and that person, and what person, what would this person say to this? It's like, really, you can almost drive yourself crazy. It's almost like a spider web. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you know, his relationship with you was was one of the the more interesting parts of the season, I think, where, you know, it, it was this back and forth where uh, sometimes you'd seem like buddies, but then sometimes, you know, you you'd see through him and uh it was always this this up and down relationship. I mean, I I'd always see through him, but I mean, it was it was when you're in those circumstances, you want to like you're in a very tight space for a long period of time. And what the audience gets to see is a very brief glimpse into that fishbowl. Um, and the rest of the time we have to make it, you know, interesting for ourselves so we don't go crazy. And obviously you gravitate towards people while you might not necessarily at the moment appreciate, you know, their approach or they stand for, you can also find them amusing and entertaining and engaging um, and, and, and helping pass the time and getting crazy and like jumping in the pool and like, you know, reenacting the scenes from the Titanic and like stupid shit like that. Like, you know, you'd be amazed at what you can come up with to, to pass the time. Uh, and, and I think in a multitude of those circumstances, Will was at the center of that. Um, so while we had our philosophical differences, we, you know, our entertaining, our entertainment value uh, was high uh, and our appreciation to fulfill that need for each other. Yeah, we, we, we had we had some fun in the show. <laughs> yeah. When no one when no one when, when you know when, when they didn't broadcast us up really launching each other into the pool and doing like really dumb shit. <laughs> but it was fun, the pastime. For sure. Uh so what was it like when, when everything ended and the season was over? Uh how how did your life change? Um, well, I can tell you as soon as I got the show, um the one of the production assistants when I was in the green room and I was already, I'd already spoken to my, you know, we were off camera. I went to the green room. Um, I was waiting to do my exit interview. And uh, this is after Julie, but waiting to do with the producers and, and what have you and, and CBS talent and get the check and my, you know, my, my compensation. Um, I was sitting backstage and one of the production assistants, one of the you know, younger guys on the, or younger people on the show, um, behind the scenes because like, really, really, everyone was really excited and I really excited to meet me. I didn't like, I didn't understand that. <laughs> like people in the house weren't that excited by me, <laughs> but everyone outside was like super excited. It was really kind of like, it was really weird. Um, and, but initially it was kind of like, it was interesting. And uh, one of the one production assistants goes, man, do you have any idea, like, the impact you'd have? And I'm like, I, again, I have no reference points of what he's referring to. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, he's like, man, he's like, the L.A. area has, like, got a shortage of jump ropes because of you. <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm like, are you serious? He's like, yeah, man. He's like, no one can buy jump ropes because everyone watches you jump rope. I'm like, you're in such good shape, so everyone's buying jump ropes now and jumping rope. I'm like, okay. Interesting. <laughs> And I go to like a bunch of these, you know, we, I guess the next morning uh, I did like 30 some interviews uh, on TV, radio, uh, what have you. Um, and uh, one of the last interviews is an audio interview that I did with CNN. And at this point I was exhausted because I didn't sleep the entire night. Um, I'd gone out to Universal uh, with my brother and they had these security people with us for some reason. 
Um, and so I ended up actually, you know, having uh, just some drinks with uh, people from the production staff and hanging out with them and talking all night. And I had to be like, uh, I guess, downstairs at like 4 a.m. or or something crazy, like 3 a.m. or 4 a.m. So I showered and I went downstairs. I'm like still really tired because I hadn't slept, you know, and the anxiety of like being, you know, one of the people up for eviction on the show and blah, blah, blah. So I didn't get a whole lot of sleep. And uh, um, the last thing that I'd done was at CNN. Um, I guess the scene in audio and I'm sitting in the back of a limo I'm just, and, and this woman has this, this recorder and she's like, you know, asking all these questions. She goes, so honestly, what does it feel like to be America's, like America's number one, like sex symbol? <laughs> and I was like, I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Because <laughs> like, again, I was like, I hadn't, I, I and first and foremost, obviously I never would ever think of myself as anything like that. But to have someone verbalize that was like almost, it almost made me, if I was drinking any liquids, I would have like spat it yeah. out of my mouth. I was like, what the fuck are you talking? It was like hilarious to me like that somebody would say that to me. So I just, I kind of laughed it up. I'm like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about, to be honest with you. And she's like, oh, you don't know. I'm like, no, like, I, I, I haven't been anywhere yet. No, I haven't seen anything yet. Like, you know. So it was weird uh, uh, to, to get off the show. And I'll tell you, when I went to the airport, um, uh, there were people there was, I guess there was like a, a people magazine or us magazine that had an article about big brother on it. I guess I was in one of the pictures. And so people were coming up to me at the airport and asking me to sign their, their magazines. I'm like, this was bizarre, like absolutely bizarre because it, it really does freak you out. Cause you go from, you know, seeing people for two and a half months or however long I was there and just seeing one of those people that having people treat you 110%, not necessarily doing it, but like, you know, they, they want like you're, they, they're like, you know, they're clamoring around you. They're wanting your autograph. They're wanting pictures and stuff. It's completely mind blowing. And it's, it's, uh, it's not really, it's not necessarily a comforting feeling, um, for, it wasn't for me. It was like, it was very bizarre. Um, and, and, and slowly off putting, I was, I was very insecure about it for a while. I was like, and I always felt like insecure about, you know, why do these people, it's just weird. It didn't make sense to me. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, uh, that that's going to have a lot of impact on your sort of your view of yourself and uh, because other people are now viewing you so differently. Uh, like I could I could see uh, a situation where like your your ego gets huge because people are fawning over you. But I can also see a situation where like you get very insecure because you're like, I don't like why are people doing this? This is making me feel weird. Uh, like, exactly. yeah, it was. So that was your reaction. Yeah, I, I I wasn't enjoying it. I I was very uh, how can I put it? Um, I, I I I just felt like I just felt like everyone had like underlying like there was like I don't know it was like they had like underlying reasons like there was like some subversive approach to it, it was just it was it was unsettling to me because it didn't feel natural. It just you know it's not something that I that I'd wanted, but at the same point in time, it was such a an abrupt change that there was no room for like adjustment or, or getting used to it or acclimated to it and, and appreciating it or wanting it. Um, obviously, you know, it, it's nice if somebody comes up and asks for a picture and I was always accommodating because, you know, I, I, why wouldn't I be? <laughs> if somebody wants to take a picture of me, absolutely. If you want my signature, sure. Why not? Thank you. You know, thank you for, thank you for asking. Um, but at the same point in time, it was still like, why is it like why <laughs> mm-hmm. it's, it's very it was very bizarre it's uh and, and too i mean you know not a lot of people get to experience it but if you do it's especially the way that i did it was just 
uh, unsettling. Um, it, it took a while to kind of get a level of comfort with it, but I was always accommodating with just the way I felt about it internally and like the anxiety that it gave me. Um, but you know, I, I always wanted to, anyone that asked me for like an autograph or something like it was like, it was for me, it was an honor just to be asked. Like, it was like, wow, <laughs> absolutely. Sure. Like, I don't know why you want this, but yeah, yeah, absolutely. How <laughs> so anyone is as accommodating as possible. Yeah, yeah. Did did you ever find yourself uh, like like chasing that? Um, like I, I know that a lot of people come off of the show and and they try to like continue on in uh, you know they they go on other shows or they'll you know they'll do whatever they can to sort of like remain um, to to continue along with the the momentum that they have. Was that ever uh, you know in 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 your mind? Well, I'll tell you, um, you know, ultimately the, the timing of, of 9-11 with regards to our show, um, it, it really kind of, there, there, there really, there really wasn't a that, or I guess what you see now, um, mm-hmm. or in, in other shows and what have you, like in Big Brother in, you know, England and the UK, it's huge. Uh, if you go on Big Brother and no matter what happens to you after that, like, you know, you've got somebody interested in doing something with you, um, for 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 me uh, and for us, what happened with with nine eleven, kind of, you know, it it it, it overshadowed, and as it should have, you know, this was our way of living under attack, and and so everything else was was unimportant. Um, everything else didn't really seem to matter uh, as much. So so with regards to the to. to to my aspirations afterwards, you know, obviously anyone that, you know, that has that opportunity, they're going to, you know, if they're interested in entertainment or, or, or anything relative to it, you know, they're going to want to utilize that, that momentum uh, as much as possible with the momentum that happened after 9-11 and 9-11 just completely dissipated everything with regards to that. So it really wasn't Mm -hmm. a major focus. It was just more of a, more of a, let me get back to uh, my way of of living in Miami and and seeing what opportunities I can bring to my, for myself there. Um, You know, I'd stayed and done a few auditions in Los Angeles and I was flying back and forth for a period of time, almost basically every week. Um, But you know, it, it there was uh, I wasn't hanging my hat on the fact that I was on Big Brother and something's going to happen from that. I I had you know I was working uh, and then flying back to do auditions and then flying back to work and you know and so that that was my my mode of operandi in that period of time. Yeah. Uh, so so that did that just like continue for a while? Uh, like when did when did the next change come? Uh, well, right when right when I got back, when I had left, I was with the open group. When I came back, I had you know, all these offers from different nightclubs to, you know, be their VIP directors and, and be their front front of house people with their face person. And because the open group had always been good to me and, and they were kind of like family to me at that point, I, you know, I gave them the first right of refusal uh, for any opportunities with regards to, to managing or, you know, or stepping further into operations. And they said, you know, give us a week. They called me the next day. Uh, and they said, you know, we've got an opportunity for you. We want you to be the VIP director for our new thing that we're opening in downtown called the Living Room Downtown, um, which was in Miami. Um, and so I took the opportunity. And then we opened Privé. I was the VIP director there. And then from there, I had left them to go open Skybar as the general manager. That was like the next step uh, from VIP director to being a general manager of Skybar, which is in Los Angeles. Uh, back at the time was one of the, the, the top hotspots. Uh, and I actually had gone to Skybar in Los Angeles on a few trips when I'd stayed at the Mondrian 
hotel there. Um, so the, just the name recognition alone and the cash that the name had, um, and the fact that we were literally like 10 times the size that, that they were going to be and just that huge operation was a great challenge for me. So uh, that's why that's what I moved into next. And eventually I'm back to the open group as their ambassador and they oversaw the operations of eight of the nightclubs in, uh, all throughout the country. Um, so cool. yeah, it was, yeah, it was, uh, it was a stepping stone. Yeah, for sure. And then, uh, then you met your, uh, your wife. I met my wife, Liz, um, at the Fena uh, Hotel in Miami Beach, uh, where I was the director of the living room. And she was uh, uh, just a guest the evening. And uh, I'd walked by and I noticed her. And she, uh, I, I, I just, you know, asked her if I could you know, refresh her cocktail for her, um, you know, because uh, her, you know, her drink was empty. And, uh, and she had said, yes, yeah, so I, you know, I, I got her a cocktail and she thanked me. But she didn't show a whole lot of interest in me, which is, which is, which kind of like, you know, and not that it really bothered me a whole lot, but I was just, you know, I made an overt attempt to kind of make a, a, an indelible impression that it didn't really come off the way I thought I was going to go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, um, um, I walked by her again. I, I think I, I spoke to somebody at her table and her friend at the table, uh, kind of introduced us. She said, do you think my friend's attractive? I'm like, yeah, I actually think she's beautiful. And her friend said, well, I think you guys, should, I think you should give her her phone, your, your phone number. And so I gave, you know, I gave my business card with my son to run it and asked her to give me a call. And I didn't hear from her for you know, a couple of weeks. Um, and she gave me a call and she gave us back in town from Chicago and we hung up and continued from there. And next thing you know, we're married with a nine month old and then we're back living in Chicago. <laughs> yeah. Uh, are, are you, are you excited, uh, as a, as a new father? I have to tell you, um, it, it is the most amazing experience ever. Uh, I, there's, it's hard to put into words because every day it changes. Um, just the, I mean, just my daughter's personality. She's, you know, nine and a half months now. She's got four teeth, two bottom, two uppers in the front. And, you know, just when you think as a father, as a parent, you, you know, you kind of have a handle on, on, on you know everything it changes <laughs> and it changes pretty quickly so just when you get comfortable you have to kind of readjust and uh it's really a beautiful thing and, and my daughter is like the, literally the apple of my eye and and uh, i just thoroughly enjoy every every second i get to spend with her she's actually taking a nap right now um but when she wakes up we're gonna go to the park <laughs> very nice um did did you ever consider at any point uh that you might want to go back on big brother um, well, I actually was asked for, for all-stars, but I had just taken the ambassadorship position with the open group, which was a really, it's pretty a big deal. It's a direct extension of the owners, um, uh, representing their interests socially, um, throughout all their operations. Uh, so that wasn't something that, that I was open to at the time, but I did film, I think a guest spot or something. I, was, I guess we, I, we did a, a, a rodeo thing, um, mm. uh, one, one season. Um, and I, I'd done the, uh, I guess the, the rodeo thing during our season. So they invited me back to do it again. I'd shot that. Um, they'd asked me to come back to be a member of the audience for the premiere episode um, a couple of weeks ago. But the timing, like, I guess they made it the decision last minute to, to ask me to do it. And we couldn't, like, I'd have to be on a plane the next morning. And the logistics of, you know, my wife and I and our daughter, uh, I, I just couldn't, it just couldn't get, get done. So, uh, so I missed out. And not to, be, not to be in the show, but to be, I guess, a featured guest in the audience. I'm not sure yeah. uh, if they had other 
get to any of the stuff they spoke to, what have you. But there are also going to be filming some stuff for uh, for online and for online content. But uh, no, unfortunately, that that didn't happen either. But uh, I would have, you know, if the logistics could have worked out. It was just like, like you had to be in a plane tomorrow morning. <laughs> like, yeah. Damn, I'm like, yeah, yeah. I can't, I can't really do that. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm a responsible adult with a child now. So, yeah, just going to be like jumping on planes anymore. Yeah. W- would you ever? Would you, if they ask you to to play again? Do you think you'd ever? You ever would? I don't think so. Um, I don't know. Uh, it'd be, I, you know, it'd be an honor to be asked, but uh, I think the game is, uh, is the dynamic of the game has changed uh, significantly from from when I played, and and you know, I, I really wasn't that much of a player, uh, to be honest. I was more of a, in my mind anyway. I I never wasn't, you know, I never had a game plan going into it. I was just kind of like, this is so new. Let's just see what this is about and what happens. Mm-hmm. And it was really, to me, just more of a social, sociological experiment. Meet people, you gravitate towards those you like and you have in common, you push away from those that you don't have in common, you become friends and you become, you know, not necessarily enemies, but like, you know, when it comes down to it, you have to make a choice. You know, people that you don't necessarily agree with everything on, you disagree with them and they're, you're, that's your objective. People that you agree with, you side with them and you know try to get the other people out um and that's basically what it comes down to um now it's so much more innuendo and um it's really again you know really really multi-layered checks uh when it comes down to because you got the veto you've got you know all these different competitions and uh i think it's much more involved i think it's more interesting uh, i guess for the for the the people that are for the audience the, the people that are watching um i imagine it garners a hell of a lot more of anxiety for people that are actually playing it because you never really know um you could i think you you could take people at face value more so when i was playing versus now i mean mm-hmm. i think now there's more opportunities to stab people in the back and, and to really backdoor people obviously yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, this, uh, I, I think that was, and, and especially on your season, there was a lot of talk about like, uh, you know, not even wanting to play, uh, you know, these deceitful kind of games and uh, not not even wanting to win the game necessarily, but just wanting yeah. to, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 because I, I, I saw what people were doing and, you know, like Shane, and I don't think Shane would have acted the way she acted and, in a normal environment, I think that you know, being in being in a, in a locked, closed off set and dealing with the personalities, able to deal with it, it makes you act in a different manner. For some people, for me, you know, I I felt that I was remaining true to myself. That I could see how other people to fit in or you know to feel more comfortable would would you know compromise their normal integrity. Um, you know, to say and do things that may not necessarily represent them. Uh, on the outside, but at the same point in time, you know, I think it's more of the, your core, uh, your your core, um, and you know, your intricate values that you exhibit during those moments, instead of you know assuming some role. Um, but that's just the way I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, what, what's what's the plan for the future? Just uh, focus on being a father for a while. Yeah, um, we're in Chicago. Um, loving the weather here is amazing. It's one of the most amazing cities in the world um, that I've seen. And I've always wanted to live in a, a, a larger city. Um, New York was always an aspiration of mine, but uh, it was always, uh, I don't know, it's just 
too much of a hustle in Boston. You don't get a lot for what you pay for as far as, you know, living in an apartment or uh, real estate there. Um, but Chicago is really an extraordinary city in the summertime, which is what we're enjoying now. I moved in December. When I got on the plane in Miami to fly to Chicago, it was 75 degrees uh, in Miami. And when we landed in uh, O'Hare Airport here in Chicago, it was negative five with the windshield. So we had a negative five degrees. <laughs> so I endured the winter to enjoy the summer. Uh, and we are enjoying the summer. It's very beautiful here. Uh, but as far as the future is concerned, I, I'm looking forward to uh, additional opportunities, uh, looking to get into uh, some real estate opportunities in the future uh, and, and you know, expand my family. Uh, maybe have a, a, at least one more uh, one more child. Um, I just love being a father. i got to be honest with you. It's, it's so weird. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I'm out and about I'm with my wife, and I just I, I see other kids. And other, you know, other babies, and just like my, I'm just drawn to that. And I'm looking at there like, oh, that's, that's a cool stroller. That's the same show we had the other, uh, the other, the other baby, uh, this the stroller. Look at that. They have it set up like they're just like really, like really like parents stuff you never thought you'd utter in a million years back <laughs> yeah. in the day. But like, you know, it's just you know, circumstances change, person personalities don't change, but uh, people's lives change, and, and your appreciation for things. Uh, definitely adjust and adapt. I can say that personally. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, I'm I'm so glad to hear everything is uh, is is looking good for you. Uh, things are going well. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, thank you. I really appreciate it, Turn. Um, and and again, I thank you for allowing me uh, to be a guest on your show for inviting me. Um, I hope uh, we, I feel we had a great exchange. I hope you and uh, and your listeners uh, have enjoyed it as well. Yeah, for sure. I, I I know there are going to be a lot of people that are going to be very excited to hear from you, hear what you've been up to, hear your thoughts on uh, some of that stuff that happened way back when. Uh, and, uh, and and thank you. Thank you for coming on. Listen, Karen, thank you. And thank you to your listeners. Thank you for uh, for for listening and, and for watching me, brother, and for being supportive for, uh, for many, many seasons. I'll talk to you soon again, my friend. Have a great afternoon. Yeah, you too. All right, Karen. Bye-bye. See you later. There you go. That was Hardy from season two of Big Brother. Man, it, it, I, I was, uh, what? I think I was nine years old, um, when I watched Hardy and Dr. Will and Nicole and Crying Bunky. That's how I remembered him, the crying guy, uh, on, on my television. And who would have guessed that? <laughs> Uh, 17 years later, uh, I'm, I'm going to be talking to Hardy on my podcast, uh, crazy moments for me. Uh, I hope that you guys enjoyed that. It was very interesting to hear this, uh, like what he thought of big brother back then. Um, definitely of course, uh, some, uh, some interesting talk about, uh, I mean, just, I, I think it's, it's, it's so forgotten just how massive of an impact 9-11 had on on Big Brother and you know like we could have lost the show then uh, it, it could have been it could have just been over before it even started uh, and it just it just in general just like the the impact it had on that season and the show as a whole um, and uh, and just, just just good to hear from Hardy I, I, he, he's doing so well um, got got a baby got a wife um, glad glad everything's working out for him and uh, yeah just uh, 
happy about this conversation all right uh thank you guys for tuning in to the taryn show this week i hope you are enjoying the uh the blasts from the past uh and and hearing from these old school players i will absolutely try to uh to talk to some more of them along the way uh as long as i can get a hold of them uh so uh thank you once again for joining me i will see you next time Parents asking questions, Terrence finding out, Terrence looking deeper, that's what it's all about, it's the Terrence Show, so you can know, it's the Terrence Show.